Welcome to MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Logue. More than 1,400 U.S. academics and more than 200 international academics have signed an open letter of support for academics under attack in Turkey. President Tayyip Erdogan is trying to quash demonstrations at Bogazisi University in Istanbul, where students are upset about the appointment of an Erdogan crony and former political candidate as rector. Along with visiting faculty fellow Erdogan Kars, Dr. Mary Magada Ward, chair of the Department of Philosophy and Religious Studies, signed the letter of support. Magada Ward is our guest, and we'll explore the issue after this. Here are some of the headlines making news at mtsunews.com, the university's news and information website. More than 6,050 MTSU students are included on the latest dean's list for their academic achievements during the fall 2020 semester. This list, alphabetized by home county, state, and surname, is the final compilation of the names and hometowns of students earning the dean's list distinction for the fall by the MTSU Records Office. To qualify for the dean's list, a student must maintain a current semester grade point average of 3.5 or above and earn at least 12 semester hours. The dean's list notation applies only to undergraduate students. MTSU updates the lists after each semester ends and student grades are posted. And an MTSU ROTC alum has become the U.S. Army Reserve's first cyber officer to be promoted to Brigadier General. Robert Powell, Jr. graduated from MTSU's College of Liberal Arts in 1991 with a bachelor's degree in international relations. With the promotion, Powell will serve as the Deputy Commanding General Cyber of the 335th Signal Command Theater. He commanded the Army Reserve Cyber Protection Brigade from 2016 to 2019, he recently mobilized to support the Cyber National Mission Force, U.S. Cyber Command at Fort Meade, Maryland. For MTSU News at any time, go to mtsunews.com. Mary, great to see you. And I mean, we've been working together for a long time on June Anderson scholarships and other things. Finally, it's great to have you on the program. Well, I'm really happy to be here, and it's so nice to see you, however virtually. (laughs) (laughs) We're all staying well, thank goodness. Oh, yes. What does this letter call for, exactly? Um, It calls for, uh, first, as I understand it, an investigation into this new rector. Um, There are credible accusations of plagiarism in his research. the president of Turkey has tried to institute two new schools at this university, which as I understand it is the universe is the leading university in Turkey without faculty input, um, presumably uh, making appointments without considering the expertise of the folks that he appoints uh, so that he wants to staff this with party loyalists. And um, this particular university in Turkey, and by the way, I'm really impressed that you could pronounce its name, uh, is considered one of the leading universities in Turkey and also um, is very concerned with sort of raising Turkey's profile, particularly as a democratic country. And this is seen as a real slap in the face. Why is the Erdogan regime doing this? We, we've known for quite some time what an authoritarian, repressive regime that is in, in other aspects. But uh, 
Why particularly is he going after the academic community at this time? Do you know? I would assume, Jenna, it's because it's Plato totals all those years ago, right? If I want to enslave um, uh, people, very first thing I do is I keep them uneducated. And of course, as he also told us all those millennia ago in the Republic, uh, very first thing I do if I want to sort of uh, be a tyrant is I either exile or silence or execute my critics. And one very good way to do this is to threaten the leading university in the country. It's not just the academics themselves, it's the students, the students who are protesting, he has labeled as terrorists, uh, even though there have been peaceful protests on the, uh, the behavior of the students has been peaceful. And what is the LGBTQ angle? What is that all about? The, 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 he's, Erdogan is referring to them as LGBTQ, uh, it seems to be in a, an attempt to shame them in this Islamic country. Uh, I, I don't know what that's all about. Um, as far as I can speculate, Jenna, I would assume uh, that he's targeting these particular students as well as some other students because they're vulnerable and they have a lot to lose. And um, as far as I know, right, some of the students have been tortured, subject to strip search. Um, guns have been drawn on them in their homes. And of course, the easiest thing to do is you attack the most vulnerable first. That's my speculation. And I think probably, right, in, an, um, in a majority Islamic country, such as Turkey, this is also a way to sort of perhaps shore up support with some of his supporters. You mentioned the possibility of uh, plagiarism with this crony who's been installed as the rector. Who is this Meli Bulu? Does he have any academic credentials at all? Or is he just uh, a friend of Erdogan's? Uh, just from what I've read, Jenna, I think he's a friend of Erdogan's. And I think that the charge of plagiarism, which I've read a little bit about, um, that's one of the worst sins that you can um, um, commit as an academic. And um, I've never heard of him. And I think also that this is seen as, a, this is a really important university. And again, this is seen as a slap in the face to the faculty who work there. Because of course, he was not a member of the faculty at this university. He was appointed from outside, bypassing um, the standard way of appointing a rector. Mm -hmm. This could have uh, considerable di diplomatic uh, implications as well, could it not? Because Turkey has been a United States ally for a long, long time because it's strategically located. This could get to be a bit of a sticky wicket for our country, couldn't it? Uh, I would think so, Jenna. And the other thing that uh, sort of, I take as immediately pressing concern for that university is that uh, this will cause many international students to rethink attending the university in Turkey. And um, that's a terrible blow to any university, in particular, um, one that is seen as kind of an advertisement for the progress Turkey has made. 
And so diplomatically, at least for me, I just thought, oh, um, what international student is going to go there now? The flip side of that coin is, will this oppression cause an exodus of international academics to universities at other nations? What do you oh, think? Oh, absolutely. I would think, Jenna, that unless this gets resolved, um, the leading academics in Turkey are going to uh, be trying their best um, to find a different position. And what have you got there? You've got a brain drain in the country. And so uh, this is extremely short-sighted, extremely short-sighted. We'll take a break right here. We'll be back in just a moment. This is MTSU on the Record. Specialized training in forensic science prepares tomorrow's professionals through the Forensic Institute for Research and Education, or FIRE. The Forensic Anthropology Search and Recovery Team assists law enforcement with skeletal remains at crime scenes. Legendary forensic scientists provide lectures free to the public and high school students work realistic crime scenes each summer at our CSI MTSU camp. I'm Dr. Hugh Berryman, Director of FIRE. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. The Middle Tennessee State University Women's Studies Research Series features compelling monthly talks on gender-related topics by faculty and graduate students. The series offers a chance to learn about research in progress and to chat with faculty in an informal setting. All lectures are free and open to the public and are held on the MTSU campus. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. Our guest is the chair of the Department of Philosophy and Religious Studies, Dr. Mary Magata Ward, who along with thousands of other academics has signed an open letter of support for the academics who are under attack in Turkey under the uh, regime of President Erdogan who has installed one of his party regulars as the rector at the most important university in the country, Bogazisi University in Istanbul. Uh, let's explain uh, why this is so important to academics by explaining perhaps to the lay audience who doesn't spend all their time at a university, the concept of academic freedom as it is understood in United States institutions of higher education? Um, well, Jenna, what I would say, and I guess I want to start out this way. Uh, my favorite philosopher is Charles Sanders Peirce, who was the founder of American pragmatism and is still considered by many to be America's foremost homegrown genius. And Peirce says that the fundamental sin is to block the road of inquiry. And the minute that you silence um, questions or approaches or uh, research programs or topics, what have you done there? You have, right, blocked the road of inquiry. And so what makes academic um, freedom so important is that progress is typically made when someone uh, comes up with a novel approach or a previously marginalized voice uh, comes on the scene or, and I remember um, one of the most exciting things somebody once told me is that history was written by the winners. And then when you start to read about how the same episode is viewed by the losers, you get a much fuller understanding of how things are. And of course, right, academic freedom means that with the protection of tenure, um, 
you get to pursue uncomfortable questions. And especially given the state of the world, we need people to be thinking hard about the problems we're facing without fear of losing their job or being thrown in jail or being blackballed or being fearful about raising questions. Um, you cannot make progress, right? We can't even begin uh, to try to uh, ameliorate the problems we face if people are afraid of being different or pursuing um, a, a non-mainstream approach. It's absolutely critical. I mean, uh, diversion, uh, diversity and inclusion of voices is not just an ethical aspiration. It is part of the very fabric of rationality and logic itself. And if you silence voices, or if you cut off at first pass approaches, um, you block the right of inquiry and you've unnecessarily stalled progress in any attempt to deal with the problems that we face. And of course, Turkey is not uh, unique in this regard. Perhaps they're a bit more blunt in their approach, but there are other countries in which this threat to academic freedom is also present both in nuanced and very volatile, obvious ways as well, right? Oh, absolutely. And um, just in thinking about international students, as you well know, right? An awful lot of countries that make progress, um, the thinkers who come back and give back to their countries, an awful lot of them have been educated in the United States. In particular, because of the fact that we have academic freedom. And I, I take that really seriously. You can't, um, you can't make progress if you don't have institutions of higher education in your own country. And if everyone has to go somewhere else, um, it's a tragedy. It's a tragedy. I promised myself I wouldn't get political in this discussion, but here goes. Do you think that education in general and higher education in particular dodged a bullet with the passage of the Trump administration after only one term? Yes, I do. But I also think, Jenna, that one of the things that, and you know this as well as I do, um, one of the things I'm particularly concerned about is um, we just, education is public good. And we need to increase funding for not only higher education, but primary and secondary education as well. And I have to say this, when I started here in 1993, the state paid for 70% of students' tuition. Now I believe we're down to 30%. Now that's a long time in the making. Um, I am certainly glad that we dodged a bullet here about as, as you, uh, probably even more so than I am, uh, found Trump's characterization of the media as fake news extraordinarily troubling. Extraordinarily troubling. Because, of course, it stifles free inquiry. Mm -hmm. it, this letter 
was sent to U.S. diplomats, Turkish officials, the United Nations, the European Union, and others. Can something like this really have an impact? Well, Jen, I think the hope is yes, because uh, the very little bit I know about Erdogan, Erdogan, sorry, is that he wants to be thought well of by the international community. And with a lot of, as with a lot of tyrants, right? He doesn't want to be embarrassed or humiliated on the world stage. And so I think publicity, um, I think the fact that a number of very well-known, um, internationally known academics um, have signed this is really important because uh, publicity is perhaps the best way to fight tyranny. We'll take another break right here. We'll be back. This is MTSU on the record. The Middle East Center at MTSU seeks to promote greater understanding of the politics, history, and culture of this vitally important region of the world. Its mission includes the promotion of outreach programs and faculty research. The center sponsors lectures by Middle East experts and scholarly exchanges. We're especially pleased to offer a new interdisciplinary minor in Middle East studies with courses in Arabic and Hebrew. This is Dr. Alan Hibbard, Center Director. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. Expanding New Horizons is an annual hands-on science and math conference for middle and high school girls. EYH enables girls to investigate careers in science and math and to talk with female leaders in those fields that are so essential to our nation's future. EYH also provides the girls with fun, hands-on activities and allows them to meet girls with similar interests. I'm Dr. Judith Iriarte-Gross, EYH Director. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. We're talking about the repression of academic freedom in Turkey and elsewhere with Dr. Mary Magata Ward, Chair of the Department of Philosophy and Religious Studies, who, along with thousands of other academics, has signed a letter uh, protesting the repression of academic freedom uh, at Bogazisi University, in particular, in Istanbul. If you were a student at Bogazisi University, or you were a parent of a student at Bogazisi University, what would you do? How, what would you do if you were a student? How would you advise your child if you were a parent? That's a hard question. Um, and I suppose I wanna speak from the position of being a student. My hope is that if I was a student there, um, I would be joining the struggle to reject this new rector, to protect academic freedom, um, to get the word out in the, on the international stage. But I have to admit, as a parent, as a mother and a grandmother, if it was my child there, I would be so tempted to um, get them home get them away. I find this really terrifying. And so it's, you know, I signed a letter. I am not out there faced with torture or imprisonment. I don't know. I mean, both my children are really courageous. So they would probably say to me if they were in that situation, no, mom, I'm going to stay and fight. But as a parent, I don't know, Jenna. I, my first impulse would be, no, get out of there. 
given, given the pandemic forcing everyone indoors and given the technology that is available with online classes, could this be a way out for the students of Bogazisi University for if they can afford it to take classes at universities in other countries via the computer and earn their degrees that way? That's a very good question, Jenna. My, I am sort of suspicious about this. Um, we have certainly done our best during the pandemic, but as you know, as well as I do, um, there's an awful lot of things that we've given up. Uh, just sort of on the fly, day-to-day -day interactions. Um, it, there are things to be said for teaching remotely, but let's face it, it's not like being in the classroom. Um, it's not like being on campus where we are, where there's a possibility of getting into conversations just on the fly, where we are around um, all sorts of other people um, I really miss it. I mean, my husband and I are lucky enough. The only thing that we have to do is go to the grocery store. And this sounds really silly. I miss when I used to be able to go to the grocery store and just chat with people. Because, of course, now we don't do that. I do think that your suggestion, it's better, right? That is a possibility. But certainly, so much of college, and particularly at the graduate level, uh, takes place outside the classroom. And it can't really be replaced. Internships, apprenticeships, all of this experiential learning is essential to people who want to go as far as PhDs or even masters. I'd say it's essential to baccalaureate education, wouldn't you? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And there is always something. And um, our wonderful students are doing their best at uh, trying to um, contribute to discussion when we do Zoom meetings, but it's been a learning curve. And of course, it's not the same as having discussions in person at all. How would you describe the state of, of academic freedom in this country right now? Are, is it under threat right here in our own backyard? Or is it relatively stable with just a need to maintain vigilance and uh, not become complacent? And I'm kind of an optimist, so I would endorse um, the latter of your interpretation. Yeah, we need to be vigilant, right? Everything needs to be transparent. But this is such a bedrock value of the university. And we are also a very big country. Um, we still have very good free press. Um, and the internet is actually also, this is one of its benefits. You can't really hide malfeasance as easily as you used to do. So while we have to be vigilant, um, I don't see that we are under the kind of threat that is happening in a country like Turkey. And the uh, repression of academic freedom, if an institution were to uh, attempt to do that, uh, would lead to lack of accreditation from agencies that oversee institutions and put their stamp of approval on universities and colleges and say, you know, this is an institution where your child can expect to get a good education, 
there is plenty of academic rigor, there's diversity, there's freedom of thought and all that. So the accrediting agencies are another factor that keep, keep people in check, right? Oh, absolutely. And I wish everybody in the country knew this because uh, one of the tragedies I see are these for-profit non-accredited um, colleges, universities in quotation marks, who I believe um, are responsible for two thirds of student loan debt. And they're unaccredited. Uh, they prey on people who don't understand how important accreditation is, uh, who don't understand um, how important, for example, the tenure process is. That the people that are in the classroom teaching you, right, have been vetted and have gone through, right, a seven, what is basically a seven year job interview. This is crucial. And so I think, I mean, I think accreditation is absolutely, absolutely essential to this. Absolutely. And without that, what do we get? We get stuff like Trump University, which was after all a scam, right? Yeah. Is this the first such letter that you've ever signed or have you done something like this before in your academic career? I tend to sign letters um, and almost always the letters that I sign are about attempts to um, silence or oppress or uh, sort of play a fast one um, with qualifications. I certainly believe that with qualifications, that the response to troubling speech is more speech. Any kind of research requires that you trust in other researchers' results. In the sciences, of course, too, a great deal of work is done in sort of our wheelhouse, conceptual criticism, ferreting out uh, hidden assumptions, things like that. You have to have a trustworthy community of inquirers and you have to be able to trust what they say to you. And if you have a country in which research is uh, silenced or uh, forbidden, you undermine the trust in the very foundation of knowledge seeking. Dr. Mary Magad Award, thank you for being our guest today and for speaking up for academic freedom and freedom of speech and thought. It was a pleasure to be here. Thanks, Jenna. We'll be right back. The Concrete Industry Management Program at MTSU fills the need for trained personnel who know concrete technology and techniques. Our alumni go into the marketplace grounded in basic math and science and able to promote products or services related to the industry. Our participation in the academic common market ensures talented students in other states a chance to enroll on an in-state tuition basis. This is Dr. Heather Brown, director of the program. To find out more information on this or other university programs, visit mtsunews.com. The MTSU Department of Art has the newest facility for visual arts in the state with approximately 50,000 square feet of space, including high-tech computers and computer-driven equipment for multimedia, graphic design, printmaking, sculpture, painting, and ceramics. We feature a visiting artist lecture program and an exhibition program that exposes students to work by national and international artists. To find out more, visit mtsunews.com. Jimmy Hart has the middle moment. An interdisciplinary MTSU team has secured a one-year, $100,000 grant from the Tennessee Board of Regents. The funds will be used to encourage faculty to develop open educational resources, also known as OER, 
as a way to reduce the cost of textbooks for students. OER textbooks can be accessed online at no or greatly reduced cost. Dr. Cheryl Torsney, Vice Provost of Faculty Affairs and OER Project Director, explains. This is money for us to develop a website, offer workshops, give out grants to faculty for them to create their their own OER, you know, raise the profile of OER on campus, and then look at what we learn, right? We are anticipating that as a result of using these OER, we will have better retention rates, which will lead to stronger graduation rates. That's MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Logue. Thanks for listening. MTSU on the Record, a news and information program about Middle Tennessee State University, is produced by the university's Marketing and Communications Office, which is solely responsible for its content. Read more about MTSU at our website, mtsunews.com. Podcasts of this program are available at mtsunews.com and on iTunes.